0: Morning. Thank you for coming on such short notice at such an early hour. This is a top-secret operation. In 45 seconds, we'll move a prisoner to federal death row. That prisoner is Gabriel Cortez. Cortez is the most vicious cartel boss since Pablo Escobar. Let's make sure this guy never sees the light of day again. Hi right, folks, welcome to the Man Cave Move Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 116, and today we're going to be talking about The Last Stand. This great and fantastic film stars the great Arnold Schwarzenegger, Forrest Whitaker, and Peter Stromare. I'm your host Steve Michaels, and joining me is my very good and dear friend, Ken, Do I Look Like I'm Afraid of Death, Roni. I feel old. <laughs> you know, we didn't plan that either. That's, that's very good. Oh, I saw that line. I was like, oh, I got to get this one. Did I steal your line? <laughs> no, you didn't steal my line at all. No, I was laughing because it was that whole scene when they walked in there. and I got the, the sound clip later where he's like, yeah, hey, you got to get out of here. We got a bad drug dealer coming in. Do I look like I'm afraid of death? I'm 72 years old. High cholesterol. But anyway. All right, folks. Our other two very good and dear friends, Mark and Jeff, they are out actually on vacation right now. This has been one of those crazy parts of the month. Everybody decided to take vacation at the same time. I was last week. Those guys are this week. But uh, I am back in town. Ken's always in town. So uh, Ken and I decided to put a show together and we decided to do this one here. And it is The Last Stand. And Ken, I mean, you pretty much hit it off the bat when you said this is the, uh, the great popcorn summer movie at the time it came out. So I have to agree with you. It definitely is. I mean, it's, I wouldn't say, it, it really kind of harkened back to some of the old stuff that Schwarzenegger did back in the eighties, don't you think?
1: Yes. And this was his first movie, first starring role after he wound up his term as governor of California. Yeah. So a lot of people are interested to see how he's doing. Listeners will pick this up. You know, will I sit here and say like, "This is an awesome, great movie. You got to run out and see it." No, but is it you know enjoyable? Does it deliver what I expected? Yes, it did.
0: Well, I thought it did too. I I think it was one of those things where when I first saw the previews and that, I really didn't know what I was going to get into. I I didn't have any really high expectations, and I really don't have those real high expectations of any Arnold movies. I mean, they're you know pretty not art. Yeah, it's not art. It's, you know what you're getting when you're getting an Arnold movie. And it's, it's a lot of gunfire. It's a lot of, uh, you know, just a lot of action and it's a lot of fun. And that, and you get that out of this one. And when we look, get a little deeper into the movie, there's a couple of actors there I want to talk about. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, headline them in this, but you know, there's a few guys in here that I thought were, uh, I've seen them in other things. I think they're really good uh, character actors. Actually, before we get too deep into this, let's give the Man Cave movie review intro of this great and fantastic film.
1: The leader of a drug cartel busts out of a courthouse and speeds to the Mexican border, where the only thing in his path is a sheriff
0: and his inexperienced staff. Radio. We ain't got no damn radio. We got nunchucks, though. Well, that was one of the lines I didn't pick up in the movie, but that's a great scene, if you remember that one, Ken.
1: Yes, I do. <laughs> this, I mean, this, this movie does have humor. It's got improbable plot devices and storylines. Right. But, I mean, you have to get past that. It's what it is.
0: When you talk about that, it's the improbable storyline because I remember when I first saw this movie, I mean, you're sitting here kind of going, if the FBI was this incompetent, we're screwed. The the whole thing starts off where the FBI is going to transport this, you know, the worst uh, cartel member since like Pablo Escobar, as they said in the movie, and they're going to transport him in this uh, convoy. And they're going to go in, and of course, yes, they do have an inside person there, uh, or the cartel people do, uh, which again, spoiler, but you'll find this out later. But you know, when you're when you're transporting such a high value target, and like I said, they have a small army transporting this guy. Do you really stop at stoplights? Well, there's a, a
1: bunch of things, but <laughs> little I mean, details. Yeah, that's uh, uh, well, this this the the, the I'm going to get on a soapbox here, not about this movie in particular, but Hollywood writers in general. And when you're talking about movies like this, they oftentimes go off track. I mean, because the writers want to go off track, so they can set up all these cool action scenes and gunfights and things of that sort. But the whole premise is on the fact that this criminal mastermind is such a mastermind, he can see forward to every possible contingency and he has a counter for every move that they make 15 turns down the line. Right. Which is, can't be done. And then the other one that always happens in these movies is we put the guy, the bad guy in the back of the heavily armored vehicle and you know, there's room back there for like a dozen SWAT team members, but we just put one in there. Right. I mean, why put, why put anybody? I mean,
0: put a squad or put but nobody, but don't just put one guy in there. Well, that's what got me. Not only do you have just one guy in there, you've got a guy that's basically armored. I mean, he's got the, the armored vest, the, the, the helmet, everything like that. And he gets his ass beat by a guy that's shackled. Yeah, no. know. How is that possible?
1: Well, Again, it's the, the plot device of not as he is super duper genius, but he's also such a skilled martial artist. You know, nobody can beat him. Right. But again, you just hit it. Okay, I'm going to hit this guy in his you know titanium armored chest. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to get a, a sore hand out of the deal. Yeah, what happens happens. Yeah, it is. It is just you know you, you got to check your logic by the door when you go in to see this movie because it's just a roller coaster ride and stupid stuff has to happen. Physics has to be ignored. But in the end, it's an Arnold movie. And does it deliver what we expect in an Arnold movie? Pretty much towards the end, especially.
0: Right. And that's just it. I, it's one of those things when you first watch the movie, you do. You start picking apart all this stuff, and then you realize, I have to stop doing that because this is not one of those movies that is meant to be taken seriously in the sense of a serious action movie. It's, it's the classic 80s action type movies where – like you said, Ken, you don't you just put your brain on wash and wear. You, you you don't sit there and look at the fact that you know these guys screwed this thing up from from the very start. You have to look past the fact that yeah, this cartel mastermind has literally played out. He knew exactly where the roadblocks would be and all this crap and had all this stuff set up and he has a small army just ready to break them out. I mean, it's something out of a I mean, the whole breakout scene was something out of James Bond. Yes. Something you would have seen in a Bond movie, which in those movies you do. You just expect this. You're watching this and you're just like, oh gosh, you know, I mean, it's fun to watch. It's like, oh gosh, how are they going to get out? And they do all this stuff, but.
1: Yeah, I'll just say that, you know, if I was a criminal mastermind and I did bust out of prison in, what was it? Las Vegas and I had to get to Mexico. I wouldn't steal, I have my people steal a really hot car and drive at high speed straight to Mexico. I'd have them put me in the trunk of a 97 Honda Accord and drive me to Pocatello for a week or two.
0: (laughs) Well, there's that. But then they wouldn't have had that really super-duper car that you could uh, watch all the time.
1: It was a super-duper car. And you you go to movies of this to watch super-duper cars and hot chicks and gunplay, and it's got tons of gunplay.
0: Oh my god, the gunplay in this one and the hot chicks. Wow. I'll just say this. Did he ever have to stop for gas? You got that. Am I the only one that knows it's like, okay, this guy's been hauling ass in this like thousand horsepower car and he never stopped for gas once. No. You no. Know, I and I never even even saw in road refueling. Just saying. Well that's true. He probably given that he has everything else planned out, he probably had a
1: Commandeered AC one thirty <laughs> sky tanker drop down and fuel him
0: up on the road. <laughs> you know what? That would have really topped this one off if <laughs> they would have done something like that, but
1: I, it fits.
0: It does it really does. I want to get into some of the actors in this movie because there's some uh obviously you've got uh the the, the great and legendary Arnold Schwarzenegger is in this one. And as Ken mentioned early on, this was his first movie after um, uh, his uh stint as uh, the, the governator of uh, California. And he's really showing his age in this one. I mean, he's looking old. But, you know, the, the guy is not a spring chicken. I mean, when you look at his age, I mean, the guy was born in 1947. So, I mean, he's he's got some years on him. I mean, it's, I mean, the guy still looks good. I mean, physically, I mean, I, the plastic surgery is really starting to show on him. Yeah,
1: but you still, if you were, if you can only dream that you're going to be as well built as Arnold Schwarzenegger
0: at 70. If you could be that well built
1: at 70, you'll be a happy clam.
0: Well, that's part of my plan. You know, that's like in my retirement plan. I mean, I'm never going to be as big as that dude, but, uh, did I ever mention I met him once? I don't think so. I actually did. Well, let me clarify I was at let's see what year was this This was nineteen ninety eight I think, and I was at the Arnold Schwarzenegger classic bodybuilding contest in Columbus, Ohio, and I was there with Deb and I used to go to that contest every year uh for about uh I think that was about the last year I went and Are you a contestant or just an observer? Oh, I was a cont- I was an observer. I did not, no, no, I, I had to ask. No, believe me, I did not. This was a professional bodybuilding contest. I mean, these were, you know, these were guys that, uh, uh, no, they were huge. I was not even, Christ, I couldn't even be in an amateur contest. But anyway, so I go to this thing every year because you get, you got to see, you know, the pros, you had, you know, they had the women's, they had the men's. They had the, uh, the fitness. They had a martial arts contest and then they had all the vendors there and they had some of the old classic bodybuilders from that period of time, but not to get off track, but there's at one point I'm out there during a the vendor thing and all of a sudden you just hear all this hooping and hollering and stuff like that. And all, that, and it's like you see this mass of people just like moving out of the way. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Arnold. And he's walking, he's got his entourage and he's just, you know, walking through and he's waving and shaking hands with people. And I remember I was like standing there and I like reach out and I go, Arnold, Arnold, love you. And you yeah, know, I reach over there and he just kind of like waves at me. I was trying to shake his hand, but he just looked right at me and waved at me. So I could say, yeah, he, he actually acknowledged my, my presence, but, uh, That's that was more it. than I can say. Yeah. And I'll tell you what he's is. Uh, well, the, again, this is ninety. Yeah, this is ninety eight because uh, this is a year after my daughter was born. She was actually staying with my mother in law at the time, and Deb and I went down there to uh, watch the show. And Deb really actually had a good time because I remember I had to really twist her arm. I'm like, "You really have to go see this. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun." And she really enjoyed it. She actually had a good time. But anyway, he. Uh, but the man is as is, is impressive in person as you see him on the screen. And he is, I think, a legitimately very likable guy. He just – there's something about him. There's a presence, a charisma that he just exudes. And, I mean, you kind of felt that there because, I mean, he really was there just kind of like getting into the crowd. And all he was doing was just like walking through the vendor area. And then you saw him throughout – Different parts of the show when they did the contest and stuff like that. But, uh, no, I, I think the guy's a class act. I know he's got his issues and stuff like that. And, you know, the whole affair thing, but, but anyway, so that was my, uh, brush with greatness, a brief brush with greatness.
1: Uh, I, I had dinner with Cher. That's the best I can do. Did you really? Yeah. In, in the, in the sense that I was sitting at the table and just behind me sitting at another table with Cher. And we were both eating dinner.
0: Oh. <laughs> so, so you weren't actually at her table. You were just, like, having dinner in the same room with her, right? I was at three
1: feet of her eating dinner. She was eating <laughs> dinner at the same time. So I, I, I like to stretch it out and say I've had dinner with Cher.
0: <laughs> nice. Uh Let's see. We've got uh the other guy that he played, Agent John Bannister. And that was Forrest Whitaker. And, uh... Gosh, I, you know, is this our first Forrest Whitaker movie? Forrest Whitaker's done a lot of good roles, but I'm trying to think. I don't
1: think he's been in any of our movies. Uh,
0: yeah. Come to think of it, I don't think he has been.
1: No, looking back at his, uh, his, his, uh, filmography and I don't see it. it just hasn't, hasn't uh, crossed over.
0: You know what? I want to talk about him a little bit. He is uh, a pretty interesting guy. He has been in a ton of movies. I mean, when you look at his um, uh filmography, I mean, this guy has been in a ton of stuff. As a matter of fact, I scrolled way down and realized he was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I have oh, Really? No, I have no idea what the hell he played in that. Now I have to go rent that again. And it's just not to see Phoebe Cates climbing out of the pool, just so you know. But, but that's a plus. It's a bonus point. Uh, he was the very first thing that I do remember seeing him in was platoon. He played Big Harold. Yep. Uh, he was in, uh, well, he's in blood sport. I remember him in that. He was in good morning Vietnam. Uh, he, I mean, the, the crying game, which my God, I can't believe I actually watched that movie, but I mean, species. He, yes, he was, was in like species. What? That's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I mean, the, the one, if you look on
1: Wikipedia, the, the the movie he probably got the most renowned for was Last King of Scotland.
0: I didn't know what I was getting into when I watched that movie. Should we review that someday? We could. Might want to start putting that again. Put
1: that in the, uh, the bin and, uh, maybe we'll come back to it because that's, that's a, that's a very quality movie, very
0: powerful movie. It is a very quality, powerful movie. And boy, I'll tell you what, that's, uh, wow. I it's one of those movies where you get in there and you're like, I didn't realize what I was signing up for. No, it's, but it's a good movie. You're right. You're right. Uh, Ken, that's a, yeah, we'll have to throw that in there. We'll have to throw that in the, uh, the list. Yeah. yeah. Because
1: if there's any movie that lets you do what you like the most, it would be that movie. Right.
0: Yeah. But Forrest Whitaker, I mean, this is a guy that is just, he is constantly working. I mean, he is doing a ton of stuff. And he's a great actor. I like the guy. I mean, I really do. I mean, he is, uh, he's always out there, uh, putting on, uh, great performances. Yes. Now, there's one other guy I do want to bring up. Cause I've seen him in several movies. Uh, there's one in particular that he's a favorite of mine, but I really do enjoy him pretty much in anything he's in. And he's a character actor and that's, uh, Louise Guzman. And he played, uh, Mike Figueroa and they called him Figgy in this. He was the little, uh, uh, the Mexican deputy. Yes. I, I tell you, I love this guy. He, there's something about him. It's just, it's just anything I've ever seen him in. I, he's, he just, he has a persona. He's, yes. he, he's a likable guy.
1: So, I mean, he's all, he's probably doing, you know, man,
0: three or four movies a year. Yeah. And he's just a great little actor. And I'll tell you, there's a, there's another movie out there that I, I really do enjoy it. I would throw it out there. Again, I don't know what Mark and, and, and Jeff would think about it, or even you would think about it, but I remember seeing him in, uh, uh the, the Count of Monte Cristo. And that's the one with, um, uh, no. James Cavazel and, um, uh, Guy Pierce. And he's in it.
1: I, it, I, I like the movie. I, I haven't
0: seen that one. You've never seen it? No. Oh, okay. It's, it's a little bit more of a modern adaptation. I shouldn't say a modern one. It, they, they do some stuff in there that you're like, ah, okay, that's kind of, that's kind of cheesy, but I think it's a really good movie and Luis Guzman is in it and he plays a central role in the movie and he plays actually a very interesting character in that movie. And I really do like that movie and it is one that I do want to throw on the docket. So. Uh we do have to uh actually consider hey,
1: you're, you're the boss.
0: Him. Yeah, well. Yeah, well like I said, we I we have to bring it before the board. So He's Man, and, those, dumb and dumber too. <laughs> <laughs> but those are pretty much some of the main actors. Now the guy that played the uh uh the cartel bad guy was uh who was Gabriel Cortez and that was played by Eduardo Noriega. And I guess he is a uh, very popular sp- spanish actor i mean played a good role yeah played. He, he played the bad guy very well yeah he definitely did now there's some of the uh some of the other people that are in there particularly the uh um, <clears throat> some of the ladies that we'll talk about later <sighs> and while they didn't go out of their way to get ugly women for this movie let me tell you that they were
1: no even the, even the homely old ladies are pretty attractive <laughs> i was gonna say even there's like hey but well, I got I got to throw out here that uh, if you look at the poster for this movie, there's two people getting top billing. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger and Johnny Knoxville. So you can't leave Johnny Knoxville out. Yeah. Although in the in the movie, I mean he's like you know he's playing comic relief, which is what he does. And to be honest with you, I've never seen him in anything. Oh, he's been in a fair amount of stuff. I think he got his. Breakthrough, like in Jackass, the yeah. movie. Okay, he does. He does, you know, comedy. He's in uh, what, Coyote Ugly, Jackass Two, Jackass Three. You know, yeah, but yeah, you know, he he he's a com he's a comedy
0: guy. Yes, none uh, of the stuff I'm looking at. I I didn't watch any of the Jackass stuff. Jackass, Jackass, Nitro Circus, Dudesons. Nope, never watched any of those things. Well, probably because you know. The jackass
1: movies—the target demographic was like 22-year-olds, and you were an old fart.
0: Pretty much. There you go. Uh,
1: but he, he obviously he was in here uh, to you know sort of the counterbalance the the old fart, you know, of a Schwarzenegger appeal. Schwarzenegger gets the old farts in. They want to get some young guys and young women to come into theater too. So Johnny Knoxville was there for that role. I thought he did a fine job playing a very quirky, you know, again, comedy relief sort of character.
0: No, he did. He actually did play a great character in this one. And uh, yeah, be honest with you, I, I'm sitting here going, how in the hell did I forget to bring up, because I headlined him when I opened up the show, Peter Stormare. Oh, yeah. How did I forget this guy? And now here's a guy – he is one of those guys that if he's in a movie, ah, I'll go watch the movie just to see him in it because you just, you never know what you're going to get with this dude. And I love the dude. He's, he was born in, uh, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the, uh, the, the, the town or anything because, uh, he was in, he's from Sweden. I know he's he was that- born in Kuman and Narke, Sweden. Is that how you pronounce that? But he grew
1: up in Arbor H- and housing Lodge.
0: Okay, I would have never been. Yeah, see, there's there's like hieroglyphics above letters and that when I'm looking at it, so I have no idea how to pronounce that. But yeah, that must be some of your Germanic blood. You can decide. It is.
1: It is. We're 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 we're, we're, I'm part Nordic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, very well done. No, but he uh played he played pretty much Peter Stormare in this one. I mean he. I, I kind of like that uh, that little bit of that Hill accent he had going there. Yeah, me Swedish. I mean, he does a good good job because he did have
1: a Hill accent. Yeah, I but mean, no, he's been in a lot of movies. I mean, one that I liked that he was in was a Big Lebowski.
0: Man, you know, I've I've had requests from people. You, know, you have I, to do the Big
1: Lebowski.
0: I mean, I'll I'll be happy to do it. I'm going to be the lone dissenting voice. I know from that movie, but. I'll be honest with you I I've had a hard time getting past the first 40 minutes. And even then it was it was rough. But I mean I'm I'm happy to do it. I'll do it and I'll have to gird my loins and get my feet set and all that stuff, but I don't know what it is. I for some reason I can't get in that movie. And I'll tell you the guy that pisses me off in that movie, oh gosh, uh oh shit, I can't remember his name now. Um he was in that damn movie with uh, what's her name? Um, Roseanne Barr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, with who's it? <laughs> with who's it? Roseanne Barr. Uh, God Who's it. He's in it. Uh, the, 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 the big fat dude from, um uh, he was married to Roseanne Barr. And <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> your, your, your
1: descriptive abilities are just, uh, you know, I, 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 I have trouble. Keeping up with, at least it's not your usual xenophobic rant. <laughs> but, you know,
0: you're probably talking about John Goodman. Thank you. Yeah. Something about him in that movie that just annoyed the shit out of me. I'm like, oh my God, would just somebody just, oh, I, I'm going to have to go back and watch it again. It was,
1: we'll have to watch it because, you know, Mark will watch it just because it's got Sam
0: Elliott in it. See, you know, the thing of it is I don't even think I ever got the Sam Elliott part. I, I've, wa- I've tried to put that movie in twice and can't even get to that level. I need to watch the whole
1: thing. It's a great cast, but we're getting off track here.
0: We are getting off track. So, all right. So there we go. We talked about the actors and stuff they've been in and things that we might. Well, what are we talking about? The actresses. Let's talk about some of the actresses. You had, uh, Jamie Alexander. She played Sarah Torrance. And yes. I believe she was one of the deputies. Yes. And, um, yeah. Wow. I think most
1: of our listeners, they might, they haven't seen this, but she plays Sith in the Thor movies. You know, Thor's, uh, female fighting companion. Okay.
0: Yeah. So
1: those movies got a lot of play, a lot of press. I'm betting a majority of our listeners have seen those. Yeah. But again, very attractive. She's playing a, you know, a, a deputy sheriff. Of course, as we just mentioned, this, this isolated bump, you know, rural bumpkin town. Has the hottest chicks running around it, but you know, that's. God, they were. It was just in. Sometimes inbreeding works well. I mean, it <laughs> throws up good effects.
0: Yeah. Oh, good Lord. And the hell yeah, the one, the one girl there, she was, uh, you saw her briefly. She played, um, shit. Uh, the, uh, where the hell was it? I can't even find it. Oh, she played Christy. She was the girl that worked in the diner. Oh, yeah. I mean, wow. Yeah. And gorgeous. Yes. Uh, and that's uh Christiana Lucas, I believe her name is. And, yes. Um, can't tell you whatever I've seen her in. Um Actually, it's...
1: Maybe, maybe nothing.
0: Nothing. Because she doesn't maybe. have that much on her filmography list.
1: No, I mean, I would actually
0: go and pick up a gallon of milk for her. Oh, I'd bring the cow over. Yeah. <laughs> Man, at... You got to see the movie folks. Just just so you know that that's from the movie. But uh and then I'll tell you the other one who was another just like dropped that gorgeous one is the uh uh the girl that played the uh uh detective Richards. I'm sorry, not detective, Agent Richards. Yes. And that was Genesis Rodriguez. And uh, she is the daughter of Jose Luis Rodriguez El Puma, uh, the famous Venezuelan singer and actor. And, wow.
1: No, she's uh, very big in, uh, like, you know, telenovelas and such. And she's broken out and getting in a lot of roles in movies. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, very attractive. Got lots of charisma, lots of presence. Does not a, does a you know, good job in her role in this movie, so. Oh yeah, I look she forward is. to seeing her and more.
0: Yeah, yeah, and she is a stunner. Yes. You. Uh, just so you no, know, folks. There's probably not going to be any irrelevant female roles in this movie. Actually,
1: there really isn't. No. No. Oh, and also we got to throw in a, a props to good old Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, <laughs> that's right. I forgot Harry Dean Stanton. Anytime, we're, we're fans of Harry Dean Stanton. Oh my and, God. And when he shows up. You know, he shows up in a lot. You know, he doesn't have a big role, but he he, he dominates the screen in this little scene.
0: I totally forgot he was in this because he had that little cameo, uh, that little cameo bit.
1: Yep. But he did, I mean, he did a good job.
0: Wow. Totally forgot you know, that. You he know, can him to
1: play a crotchety old dude.
0: Yep. He, he can do crotchety. He does do crotchety. And you know what? I got a clip of him.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. You start forgetting about how old Harry Dean Stanton is when you see him in this movie. Yeah. Especially when you hear him talking. You're like,
1: holy cow. I just looked him up. He was born in 1926. He's getting close to 100 years old. (laughs) 90. He's almost 90. Good
0: Lord, is he really?
1: Yeah, born in 1926. Yeah, he's got just a few more years. He's 90 years old.
0: And he's still out there working.
1: I wish I, I hope I have his kind of career path.
0: Good Lord. And you know, the thing of it is, is that, I mean, he did a lot of movies. Is he just, does he just have nothing better to do? That's kind of what I wonder about some of these guys. You know, when you're pushing your nineties. I think he enjoys it. That must be it. It must just be at that point, you're just, you're, you're thrown in there for these little bit rolls, these, you know, uh, we need you for about three hours. You know, here's a hundred grand. whatever yeah maybe that's it maybe that's what they're or they just enjoy doing it but i god i can't even imagine at that point you know looking at this he's doing about two roles a year for the
1: past decade or so you know that keeps him in you know supplements his social security
0: and keeps him going (laughs) i'd do it well good for him good for harry dean Stanton. oh gosh what do you think about overall your favorite scenes in
1: this movie Oh, it's, you know, it's got a lot of good setup scenes, several good, you know, shoot up scenes. Uh, again, you have the big climactic final fight, which the, the end of this movie is kind of stretched out. I mean, did you get that feeling? Yeah. You think it's almost over. It's drags a little bit more. I'm not, yeah. not complaining, but if I had to say it like a favorite scene, it would, oh shoot, it's just a toughie. Uh, I'm going to say it's the, just the scene of them preparing the town. They're trying to get the town all ready to, you know, fight, move the cars and, you know, cut down light poles and rally the people in the cafe and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, it had character. There's one, there's one little scene, which I like very little scene, but the, uh, when the, the, uh, Bad guy gunman busts into that old lady's house and, you know, to, to, to ambush, I think, Arnold. Yep. And, uh, she, she tells him to leave and he won't.
0: I, I, I like that scene. I do too. I like that part. That whole, um, well, actually, my, my, one of my favorite lead up scenes is right up to that. And it was the scene when Figgy or Louis Guzman, he's hiding behind the car. And, you know, this is after they've raided, well, they haven't raided, but they went over to, um, uh, what's his name's, uh, museum to get all the armament. Yes. And, uh, you know, they got the Vickers machine gun and, and you see that one point where, you know, Lewis is sitting behind the car. He's lock and loading his nine millimeter. And then next thing you know, the, the, the camera kind of pans over and he's got that Thompson 45 machine gun <laughs> sitting next to it with the drum magazine. And I'm you know, like, Holy crap, they got he's got a Thompson. That scene where they kind of opened up on the car and they're just reeling the car and then they bring the rocket launcher, fire it over at the car, blow it up and that, and then they got the smoke. And then you see these guys standing there and they're like, what the hell? Next thing you know, you just see him coming out of the smoke with that Thompson and he's just blazing away with it. He starts picking yeah. guys out left and right. Yeah. And it's just such a cool scene. When it, it almost reminded me of, uh, oh God, what was the hell was it? A Miller's Crossing. Remember when, yeah. uh, Elmer Fitty's walking down the, yes, line? I almost thought, Oh my God, are they playing homage to Miller's Crossing where he's just like blazing away with that, with that top? It might have been because you know,
1: were it, were I in Figgy's shoes, I would have gotten to Thompson and taken shelter behind a large truck or concrete block or something, not, not just walk down the street, hosing them down.
0: Yeah. Because that, I've, I've sitting there watching, and I'm going, I have seen this scene somewhere before. And all of a sudden they hit me and I'm like, oh, it's Miller's Crossing. But, uh, I, I did enjoy that one. I thought it was a lot of fun. Did but, you notice his homage to Conan? Oh, absolutely. That's in the trivia. I, I saw that and it was great when he was, uh, he had the mace in his pants and, uh, <laughs> well, that sounded really bad, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, because the one guy, what, what the hell is, um, I can't remember the character's name now. The one they had, the, uh, the military arts museum. Dinkum. Dinkum. He
1: had this. Played by Johnny Knoxville.
0: Yeah, Johnny Knoxville. He's got this museum and it's full of all this armament and everything. It's like, it wasn't even armament. That, I, I think he had more ammo than most of the forward military bases in Iraq.
1: I thought that was an interesting spin on that character because. You're you're thinking that oh this guy's a moron and you know just a total idiot, but then he's going like well you know I don't I don't have just a, a stash of guns I mean I have a, a you know federally registered arms museum I'm open you know three hours a week every <laughs> every third Friday and you know that therefore I'm fully licensed for everything
0: <laughs> yeah oh okay. Yeah, but uh, the, uh, the Arnold homage was great because he's standing there with a mace and he's holding this sword. And there's a scene where Arnold goes, what do you think I'm doing? Going on the Crusades? And he's yes. standing there holding this sword and it was Arnold's sword from, um Conan. Yes, it
1: was. What was it? What was Stromer packing? Was that like a, some sort of, 1980s horse pistol
0: or something no that was uh it looked like and you know if slover was here yeah he'd know he would know but that was that looked like no that looked like some type of navy colt or something like that but it was not a black powder it was a cartridge pistol that was definitely uh 19th century that was a cartridge firing pistol but it definitely was not uh black powder obviously because he even had a belt with bullets in it. But well, this was, you know, I think listeners can get the uh, flavor. This is one of
1: those movies where, you know, the various exotic weaponry are supporting actors in this movie. Oh, yeah. They, they they have a role to play. And I don't know what grandma pulled out of her knitting basket in that one scene, but, you know, it was pretty bad looking, whatever it
0: was. You know, I'll tell you what, the only other place you're going to ever see that, I've ever seen it in the movie was she had I think it was a forty five, I think it was a Colt forty five with a shoulder stock. And the only other thing I ever saw that one was the good, the bad and the ugly. There was a guy during the uh uh that that pre showdown when they went into the town when um uh Blondie and Tuco went into the town, there was a guy that was like standing on a ledge and he actually had like a a his colt, and it actually had a shoulder stock on it.
1: Yeah, that could be, but it's also realistic because I have a feeling if a bunch of bad guys just swooped into some rural town in Arizona and started raising hell, you don't know what people be pulling out of various compartments and baskets and everything oh, yeah.
0: else. Yeah, well, like I said, this is a good old boy town. So, yeah, they 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 went in there thinking they were just going to just like cruise down through, and then next thing you know, they called down the thunder. That's right. Hell was coming for breakfast. That's right.
1: <laughs> well, the breakfast was being made. <laughs> it actually looked pretty good. It did. Yeah. And it, this, you know, this does feature two hot cars. Yes. It was a, uh, a Corvette and a Camaro. Was that a Camaro? Which, I couldn't tell what the hell that yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. Schwarzenegger was in a Camaro. Oh, okay. And both cars were just ripped to hell by the time everything was
0: done. Right. Yeah. Cause I'd never seen it when they were talking about it, it was a Corvette zero. I'm like, I don't know cars. I could barely no. tell you what the hell I drive. No,
1: I, I, again, I, it's, it's lost on me. You know, all we need to know for the movie is it's a really hot car <laughs> and it doesn't need fuel.
0: Right. Well, like I said, I mean, this is folks, this is one of those movies from the, the eighties. I'm sorry. This reminded me of the movies from the eighties. Uh, the classic Arnold movies, turn your brain on wash and It's, you know, uh it's popcorn and beer. You just sit back and enjoy the show.
1: Yeah, pretty much it's Commando-esque. Yes. If Commando, if Arnold was like 25 years older in Commando, that's what this would be.
0: Yeah, pretty much. So... All right, so we've talked about actor scenes. Uh We don't want to do too many spoilers because, for those of you who have never seen this movie, but then again, how can you spoil an Arnold movie? You pretty much know how they're going to end. We are going to go on to, evidently, my Internet just decided to take a shit. So. I hear you fine now. I was just about to go to Brother, what you drinking? And All of a sudden, I hear this thing saying that we're done. All right. You know, I think what they're doing, they're building this whole new, and I kind of wonder if this may have something to do with it, but they are putting in, you know, I'm right along Ditch Road. Right. On the other side of Ditch, Centennial, uh, or Estridge, I should say, is putting in a whole new development, and they're doing all this construction. They're probably doing why. It's probably something I have to imagine has to do with that because we've lost power, several days since, you know, in the last couple of days. So I'm sure it's something to do with that. If this was a
1: movie, there'd be something evil going in over there. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. They're fracking.
0: That's what it is. Okay, folks, that is it with our favorite scenes and other discussions of this great and fantastic film. So it is now time for Brother, Whatcha Drinkin'? And, Ken, if you don't mind, I'm going to go first. Go ahead. It's now time for Flashback Friday on Brother, Whatcha drinking? Well, you know, it's actually not Flashback Friday because we're kind of on this uh, weird uh, schedule right now because of vacations and everything, but I was up last weekend visiting uh, my, uh, my mom back up in the region and, uh, for those of you who don't know who the region is, that's the northwestern part of Indiana that borders Illinois.
1: Better know Southeast Chicago.
0: That's pretty much it. Let me tell you, I went up there and I was like, I oh, want, well, you know, I have to go to some of these, um, you know, the old liquor stores I used to frequent back in the day. And of course I found it. I didn't know they still brewed it. But ladies and gentlemen, brace yourselves. I am now knocking back. A can of old style. <laughs> Bravo. And you know what? It is, uh, brewed in Chicago. Uh, and it said Chicago style is old style. Chicago's beer since 1902. So there you go. They still make it. How is it? Well, um, I won't be buying it again. It's, uh, I mean, I'm going to finish this one off, but it's, I don't know. It, it's a lager. They say it's called a traditional lager. I don't know. It's, it's not blow my skirt up. Uh, let's put it this way. It costs more than hams did, which, uh, kind of disappointing, but, uh, they've changed the whole bottle, which is really kind of ruining the nostalgia. So, eh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all right. I guess if you were, if it's a really hot day or whatever, it probably goes down pretty good. Probably during a, you know, Cubs game. Uh, I figure if you're going to watch a losing team, why don't you drink a losing beer? I'm sorry. Did I say that out loud? You're almost a local. You can say it. I can say it because I lived up there half my life. I sat there and watched the Cubs lose so many games. It's like, why should I even bother? Anyway. But that there you go. That's uh that's where we're knocking back. We got some old style. Like Fiance, <laughs> I was actually shocked when I saw it there. I was like, holy crap, they still make this stuff. But that's what Flashback Friday
1: is all about. I mean, it it's is. The whole, there there's beers out there that we don't we don't think they're around anymore, but they still are. They just won't die.
0: It's true. And you know the thing of it is is that Ken, you brought up a, you know, the comment uh I think on one of the shows was that um you know, it's going to be kind of a challenge because I'm starting to run out of like the, the old crappy beers from that, that period of time. They just don't make them anymore. Uh, I, I was, I've been looking for Stroh's everywhere and I can't find out. I don't think they make it. You need to go online
1: and do some thorough research. I think I'm gonna in- I bet, I'm betting you can order, well, you can't order it online, but <laughs> you can find out if they're at least still in business. Yeah. I don't start,
0: start, start Googling all your, favorite crappy beers
1: of the 60s and 70s yeah
0: i'm well you know there's a lot of them out there because i remember you know some of the stuff from pennsylvania wisconsin when uh you know we would do some traveling my dad picked some of that stuff up i think iron city's probably still making it i think <laughs> they still make uh red white and blue but who knows
1: i've seen i've seen iron city not that long ago I've, yeah it doesn't seem like it was that long ago
0: yeah, I think they still make it, but you know, a lot of the old classics, I think they've gone by the wayside. They just can't compete with, uh, you know, Budweiser and all the craft beers that are out there, but you know what? That's all right. You know, I, I can say that I'm still drinking a beer back from the old days. So there you go. All right. So that is it with, uh, flashback Friday, even though it's Tuesday night, but that's all right. All right. Coming up. It's now time for catching up with Ken.
1: All right, Ken, what do you got? Well, I, I've actually got a fair amount of catching up to do. Uh, awesome. I, you know, I was, I wasn't able to be here for like the past show or so. Uh, probably the highlights of the intervening couple of weeks went to Zubilation. Uh, one of the big social events here in Indianapolis, it's a fundraiser for the zoo. Big event, uh, you know, formal wear, all the top restaurants and bars, set up booze, and just go down and wander around and eat and drink and mingle, uh, look at the animals. I got to check out the new orangutan exhibit. Uh, I went with my friend, the, the lovely and gracious Erin, who uh, was quite pleased. She hadn't been there before and thought it was just, Great and wonderful. So a big hit, uh, had a great time. So I can recommend if you're in nd and you're looking for something upscale to do, uh, check out Zubilation. Uh, I also have to throw out, if you do decide to check out Zubilation, if you're like me and basically a tightwad, it's going to be painful to buy the tickets. I was, yeah, I went to buy those tickets going like, man, that's like most tickets, the most I ever spent for any ticket to anything, but. Friends tell me this is worth it, so I'll do it. So I did. I'm glad I went. Uh, went to, we had a, a nice boating day out on Raccoon Lake. A group of us went out. Uh, my friend Ann uh, organized it, rented a pontoon, went out, hung out, ate, drank, drank, and ate and drank some more. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you the, a I don't know if uh, you've ever had it or not, but a hit every time that it appears anywhere I'm at, is rum chata. Have you ever had rum chata?
0: Who the hell, was it you or Jeff that talked about this before?
1: I might have talked about it.
0: I thought somebody brought this up before.
1: I might have brought it up. I took a bottle of rum chata out to the lake, and I didn't tell anybody until we were out on the water, and then I pulled it out. I was like, all the girls that I was with, they just descended on that bottle and (laughs) sucked it dry. It's, they 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 love rum chata. And what they don't like. you know, well, what Aaron pointed out is, and this may sound disgusting, but it, they, it's why they love it. Remember when you were a kid, and you'd have like a bowl of cereal, of a sugary cereal, and you'd get to the bottom, you'd eat all your cereal, and then you had the milk, and you would drink the milk, and it was like creamy and sweet and tasty. Look, that's like a cinnamony taste to it. It's like that. It's this. it's like, it's a like dairy rum based with like cinnamon and some other spices in it. And I like it. It's actually not bad, but you know, I don't go crazy when I see it. But yeah, my, I went to Costco and bought the jumbo bottle and, and you know, again, boom, it's gone. I mean, it, they just devoured it. So I can put it on a plug for rum chata or, you know. Boating, act, boating, accidents. <laughs> I do have to point out something too, which is <laughs> we were on the Lake. We had a good time. and finally, it's time to go. So then we left, and we were going back to the marina. And we get to the marina, and Anne decides to do some donuts and kill some time. So she's doing donuts, and I go to the front of the boat to like you know get ready to pull in. I look down, and go like, uh, guys, we never raised anchor. Back, you know, three miles away when we left. Oh wow! So I pull up one rope and it's ripped. There's no, no anchor, and so ann's going like, "Damn it! You know they charge for those anchors. I think they're like 150 bucks an anchor." All like, right, well that's great. Well I'll get the, I'll pull up the other rope. So I pull up the other rope. It won't pull. Evidently, that anchor didn't break off and it went down there and wrapped around a tree or something when she was doing donuts. We couldn't move. So we had to call the people at the marina to come rescue us because like we weren't going to be the ones to cut the rope and have to pay another, what we thought was 150 bucks, it turned out to be 30 bucks of an anchor. So anyways, lots of adventure. Moral is, when you're out drinking, raise anchor. <laughs> <laughs> I've learned that. I will remember that next time I'm out. See, other things I've gone to... Oh, and also, the other nice thing is about five days after swimming in Raccoon Lake and dunking in Raccoon Lake and diving into Raccoon Lake, they've got an article in a paper about the, you know, brain-eating amoebas found in Raccoon Lake. So, oh, great! Wow. If I'm gone here next week, you'll know why. <laughs> Jesus. And uh finally, my, I usually, you know, I, I like to have my vanilla vodka and I had a bottle of Sobieski, about half a bottle. I, I thought I had about half a bottle of Sobieski down in the fridge. And last weekend, a friend that, you know, I didn't, I did not know she lived like two blocks from my house. She had a party and I went to the party and at the party, one of my friends came up to me and said like, hey, Ken, you know, do you have vanilla vodka at home? It's like, Sure, yeah, I got vanilla vodka at home. I said I'll go get it. So I went and got it. Now, sadly it was just like three shots of it left. I in my stupor I drank most of it evidently by myself without realizing it. So, anyways, had a nice little party here just right by the house and then came home last night. So I've been pretty busy. And to answer the question, what am I drinking, since my regular vanilla vodka was gone? And I've been drinking a lot of rum and cokes lately, and I just didn't feel like that. I, I broke into my stash of homemade vanilla vodka, home brewed, and I had that with a diet coke. And it's all gone now.
0: Very nice. Like it. Well, you were, you had an exciting week. Wow, I thought I
1: I, I had it. the past two weeks have just been, you know, one thing after the other. And you know, I've got my. It's now that summer's finally here. My friends are all busting out, organizing various outings and dinners.
0: Cool, nice. Like I said, Ken, I live vicariously through you.
1: Not, not to keep going, but you know, I've got like the next four days. Evenings are just totally booked. I'll be out doing stuff every night. So, I'll give you an update next time.
0: Awesome. Well, we're going to have some good shows next week, so we have to uh, have to get with the other two uh, dingo berries and find out what uh, what we should put out. All right, folks, that is it with brother. What you drinking and uh, what's up with Ken? And it was pretty exciting. So we are now going to move on to clips, our favorite part of the show. All right, let's see. We got uh, I got number one here. <laughs> I don't put another asshole in an elephant right there, boys. <laughs> was that
1: that hand
0: cannon they were trying out? <laughs> yeah, that was the one where they shot that. They shot that big side of beef.
1: <laughs> well, that just reminded me of you know I had a friend that you know bought a dirty hairy forty-four Magnum and went out to the range, picked it up, aimed, pulled the trigger. The recoil broke a bone in his hand. No kidding. Yeah. So he never shot that gun again. I not. Uh, again, same thing here. You know, horrible things happen when you're shooting guns that are just not made for the normal
0: man. Nope. Arnold uh, could handle it, I'm sure. Arnold did handle it. Yeah? Arnold did handle it. So. All right, number three. Wow, you're looking jacked, Ray. Right? You've been working
1: out. Well, I warned him about the recoil.
0: Give me the damn thing. Let me have a go before I change my mind and try to a sedation. <laughs> oh, sorry, folks. I said number three. I actually meant number two because I was yes. skipping the first clip because it sucked. I didn't think there was going to be too many sound clips in this until I started getting more into the movie and realized there was a ton. So. There's, a, there's a lot of good lines.
1: This, this movie was
0: written with humor.
1: I mean, it's it's. They, they they put an appropriate amount of humor into it. A lot of it's sight gags, but they got some good dialogue.
0: That was just it, and a lot of it was sight gags. There was a lot of that. You know, somebody make a comment, and there was that long stare type of. Okay, that's funny, but all right. This is uh, oh here we go. This is uh, the cameo of uh, Harry Dean Stanton.
1: You want to hear my offer? You clear out now. And I won't fill your ass full of buckshot.
0: Old man, you better put that piece away before you blow your toes up. <laughs> we just talking here. Now we finished talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. And that was yeah. for America. He was
1: finished talking, but not the way you thought.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh god, I love that theme. I love that scene Need stamp pulls at that shotgun. Oh gosh. Alright, number uh whatever. Why is, Why, like Why is he dressed that way? Why are you dressed like that? He says he supports the national uh, Dutch football team. What the f is that supposed to mean? The soccer team. He's wearing their team colors. Okay, here's the thing that I like about that. This must be something universal, or I don't know. Maybe it's just Americans that do it. But if you're talking to somebody that doesn't speak your language, talking louder doesn't make them understand you any better? No. Yeah. But we do it. Yeah, we do it all the time. It's like, it's not that they're deaf. They just don't understand what you're saying. So... Alright, I like this part and my daughter translated and she just laughed her butt off during the whole, this whole interrogation scene, so.
1: He was reaching for something. I was worried for my life. So I tried to hit you. I should have hit you the
0: f*** harder. <laughs> That's such bullshit. Oh, so now you speak English. If you knew any Spanish, you'd know I was barely speaking it a minute ago. <laughs> my daughter could testify to that too. Emily is quite fluent in Spanish. Really? Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, she is uh, she is quite the uh, interpreter, if you will. That's, that's
1: good to know. That's
0: a yeah, useful
1: skill to have. I wish I could speak Spanish.
0: Well, I tell you what, she told me a few things that she heard during our garage sale that she probably shouldn't have told me because somebody was about to get their ass kicked. But anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, next one here. If you guys want to just step aside, that's fine with me. I'm not going to fault you for doing so, but I'm not going to let that guy come through our town without a fight. And that, a fight there was. Yeah, that was the very serious part of the movie because you could tell by the music, as well. Yeah.
1: Well, I know it was the class. Actually, it was reminded me a little bit of uh, Outland there for a minute. Yes. You didn't, didn't. You know, didn't. Arnold didn't know if he had if his uh, sheriff's at his back.
0: Well, you know that's a good point, Ken. This is pretty much kind of like Outland, but back. Or, you know, back, or high noon. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah, no, I mean, think
1: about it, it's it's high noon in the in in the modern era.
0: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're just kind of re rehashing uh you know a, a a tried and true movie plot. So uh, let's see uh, next one. I'm probably more afraid than you are right now. How can that be because i've seen enough blood and death i know what's coming all right uh let's see next one here i like this part i called it vicky where the hell did you get this vicky she's my little nazi killer 1939
1: vickers gun my little crazy bitch of course, she can't really fire in the legal sense. So.
0: But I did run down all the missing parts for her, so she could function theoretically. Of course, that's between us and Jesus. Uncle Sam don't need to know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did
1: I ever tell you about the the book I got as a Christmas present from our friend, uh what let's call him, Bill? Oh, yes. Yeah, he, he got me a i you know, I've got, you know, I've got an SKS carbine. And he got me some book by, by, written by some guy named Powder Burns <laughs> <laughs> that explains how, you know, the, the SKS Garvey is a semi-automatic firearm, but as an intellectual exercise, if a person wanted to turn it into a fully automatic weapon, here's how it could be done. Well, Interesting. Now, I obviously I'm a law-abiding person, so I have not exercised the tools in that book, but like Johnny Knoxville's a Dinkum character there says, there's, there's, there's ways around these meddlesome, you know, regulations. Theoretically. Yeah. yeah. And that, that Vickers gun does a great job in its crowning little scene. Yeah,
0: it sure does. And that, that i tell you what, that even's the odds. Yeah, it, that damn gun did not get enough action. I was,
1: that, was, well, they, it's because they had it in that, you know, they had it mounted in a spot where it was only good for a limited amount of time and then it was out of the field of fire and nobody had time to unpack it and set it up someplace else. Yeah. Otherwise, I mean, obviously when you have a, a belt fed machine gun, you can, you know, you can lay down some waste if you decide to.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's see. I mean, they pretty much ripped that one guy in half. <laughs> yeah, they did. That one dude that was trying to get you thought he was just about to get away. And then, no, nope, got him. All right. Uh right. Let's see. Next one. Listen, guys, there's an escaped fugitive coming through town. It's too dangerous for you to stay here. I want everyone to go home. Did you hear what I just said? We just ordered breakfast. It's for your own safety. You're talking to a 72-year-old man with high cholesterol eating a bacon and cheddar omelet with extra cheddar. Do I look like I'm afraid of death? <laughs> what? Don't look at me.
1: I ordered the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the, the the diner gang was, you know, again, add a little levity and humor to the uh, movie. Cause they're regulars. I mean, all through the movie, they just sort of pop in and pop out.
0: Right. And that's kind of, there's a little bit of a trope there because it's like there, there's this crew that just, they're not afraid of anything. It's like, whatever. Yeah, but they, also they're not going to get off their ass and do anything. Right. Exactly. And I say that. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ken, this one's for you.
1: How are you, Sheriff? Old.
0: Nah, ah, you've got a ways to go yet. <laughs> there you go It's that's
1: they defy or ignore a whole lot of physics in this movie, like most action movies,
0: but that scene there, I mean, yeah, Arnold Arnold takes a beating, yeah, he does, well, and you know part of that scene is is that when he had to do that, uh when he took that one dude out. You know, he just didn't like drop down on there. I mean, he was like laying there for a little while going, Oh, for I mean, yeah,
1: that's what I'm saying. That was actually
0: realistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, usually yeah. in movies, when a guy
0: takes a fall like
1: that, if this was Bruce Willis, he'd just pop up and go back to work.
0: <laughs> yeah. Arnold's laying there going, Son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, all right. Here we go. This is, uh, one of my favorite quotes of the movie. No
1: trespassing.
0: Quiet granny. Mrs. Salazar, Sheriff, obliged. Put the hurt on him, Ray. <laughs> i like,
1: i like Granny. What's her
0: name? Salazar. Yep, she was awesome. She reminded me for some reason. She reminded me of the, uh, oh God, the the grandma from uh, we God way back in the day. Remember when we did Outlaw Josie Wales. Yes. The one was yes. sitting on the porch with her corn cob pipe. No, 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 no. The, the, not her. She reminded me of the granny that they, that they picked up, uh. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But she well, was, uh, she didn't like Hoosiers.
0: Yeah. She didn't like, yeah. She liked Hoosiers. She was good Missouri folk. And they were going out there because she was Sondra Locke's mom. And, oh, yes. Yeah, that's who she reminded me of. Well, I saw did, Yeah. That, I can see the, uh, the, uh, you know, similarity there. Yeah, I love that one. All right. Uh, last one here. Love this quote. Biggie.
1: Biggie. Oh, oh, oh sorry. sorry. Oh. Let me see. Let me see. Oh, oh, oh. that's a 50 caliber. That's a, 50. That's a, 50. That's a, 50. That's a painful 50. Oh, man. Look at that. Yeah. What about you? I'm
0: fine. Oh, no, oh, please come on. That's a BB gun. I love where they're comparing their bullet wounds.
1: That's, yes. So, oh, gosh. Well, I suspect that this might have been one of those movies where the, the original script had Figgy dying a heinous death, and then they did a screening. and went Like, oh, the audience likes Figgy. Let's bring him back at
0: the end. When I initially saw that scene when he gets hit, you thought he's dead. Yeah. And I think you're right. Ken, I think they actually probably looked at that and went, eh, maybe we He's should. He's a likable
1: guy. Let's not kill him.
0: Yeah, we shouldn't kill this guy.
1: That other deputy, he was kind of whiny and he deserved to die.
0: Okay, but you, spoiler, folks, there's your, there's your, uh, what the hell they call it? Uh, the forecasting, foreshadow, foreshadowing, foreshadowing. There it is. He goes over to Ray's house, has a beer with him, and says, you know what, I'm not cut out for this small-town bullshit. i got to go where the action is. He's going to die. And Ray's like, well, yeah, if you want to go out there to L.A. or wherever, but that's fine. Next thing you know, all right, who's the first guy to die? There you go. The minute, the very first time I saw this, I thought that son of a bitch is going to be the first guy to die in this movie, although I was wrong. He was the second guy to die, so. All right, uh, real quick trivia here. Arnold Schwarzenegger's first lead role since Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, which was in 2003, so there you go. Uh, Liam Neeson was offered the role of Ray Owens, but he passed. I could totally see him in this role. Absolutely. I actually could have, too, you know, and, and Liam Neeson is the uh, – I mean, he's kind of becoming the action guy. I mean, he's always a little bit been that, but seems like he's doing a lot of, more of that in his old age.
1: Yeah, I, I actually, now that you mention that, he probably could have done a better job than Schwarzenegger. It would be a different movie, but I think he could have played the character better.
0: I agree with you. I agree with you.
1: He yeah. just have to sort of bring his uh, old Mexican hilljack accent that he, he knows how to do that
0: and he could have done it well because if he had brought yeah next to kin that's all he had to do bring a truck full of snakes it would have been all over uh let's see <laughs> that's what this movie
1: that's what it was with a little bit more preparation they could have put the proper amount of bear traps and snakes <laughs> and crossbows <laughs> this movie was sadly lacking in those areas.
0: Absolutely. All right. In the scene where the sheriff and his newly deputy task force are arming up, Louis Guzman can be seen with a uh, mace uh, stuck in his belt and a sword. The sword is the same design as the one Arnold used in Conan the Barbarian. So and held just like Conan did in a poster. Yes, and he held it up. Just remember when he walked out there, that was like a complete homage. Yes. As Mark would say. I liked it. I liked it too. Uh, gosh, there's the, uh Harry Dean Stanton was uh, a cameo as Farmer Parsons. Uh, body count 44, which seems light when you watch this movie. <laughs> it's like, that's it? 44? Yeah. Yeah. Look, looked a little bit more like the Battle of the Bulge after, <laughs> after he got done with it. But Well, I said, you know, for example, the, the, the
1: bad guys, but the first, you know, and, uh, Scromarin is, Posse ride right into town and take the first hit. I mean, you know, elite, you know, Navy SEALs would have their morale break. I mean, they right. took like fifty percent casualties just in the space of a few minutes. Right, unless that pickers gun opened up.
0: Well, you know, there was a well, but before that, you had a bunch of guys that got. I mean, the body count started after they broke uh, the the cartel dude out.
1: I mean,
0: well, that's it's true. The, I mean, the SWAT the, team went yeah, down. the SWAT team went down like a, you know, like a bag full of cats, and then you had the, uh you had the one police roadblock that just pretty much got massacred by, you know, yeah. of course because they knew exactly where they, they knew were.
1: exactly where they would be, and they had people right there to take care of
0: it. Right. So,
1: but I, I got to say this as a, a you know. I, I'm going back to what I was complaining about at the start, but again, it's the whole physics thing. You know, yeah. You know, they had that, uh, the SWAT team takedown. Okay. You know, they elaborate car wrecks and collisions and all this stuff. And then in the end they drive away. And all I can think is, you know, this time last summer, I was in a, just a simple, you know, rear ender collision. And I'm still recuperating from it. I, you know, I'm not going to jump up and say, hurrah I mean, after that collision, I was you know down for the count sort of.
0: Yeah,
1: you know not not just like a little scuffed hood like you know old uh Gabriel Cortez has on his car. He'd be dead, 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 dead. But then I'd be for a lousy movie.
0: But we you know that that's the thing we talk about in these movies, even the fight scenes. I mean, there to be honest with you, a guy like Cortez, after about three punches by Arnold would have been, if not dead, brain damaged or completely unconscious. I mean, you don't take the beatings that you do in these movies and just go, oh, okay, I'm back. And I just, you know, come right back and take you out. It just, believe me, I have been in a couple of brawls, you know, not much, but yeah, the human body cannot, the trained human body can take those kind of hints. But if you're just like the average Joe, you get a couple of good shots taken at you. Let me tell you, you're, you're down, you're down for the count. Yes. yes. Especially that one scene when, when Arnold's like slamming his head against the steel girder, throws him down on the ground and he just kind of like picks himself back up. I'm like, ah, uh, no, you know what? You <laughs> might've killed him at that point.
1: Yeah. My, 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 neck and back would be broken and, yeah. you know, my, my internal organs are jellified. Yeah. There's, but then also, I mean, Ar- you know, he, you know, uh, Cortez comes back at Arnold with that knife and hell, Arnold would have bled to death by the end of the movie. It was when he got dealt with in that scene.
0: Well, that's just it. I mean, well, I'm not even get into what I did with myself with the axe about two weeks ago, but that's all. Oh, yeah. Story. That's a whole nother story. I'm just like, he's getting just slashed. Left and right. And you're right, Ken. He would have bled to death. But then again, Cortez would not have even been conscious to do that. But again, Hollywood folks got to look past that stuff. So
1: is it, is it better or worse than the climactic fight scene in commando?
0: Well, there's a,
1: well, a uh, compare and contrast
0: compare and contrast. Let's see. I would say it's worse. Although, you know, it would have been better if Cortez was wearing like a chainmail uh, uh, breastplate, but, um,
1: yeah, I don't know. Well, that was a, you know, a thing I didn't quite get is, okay, you know, it's that whole thing. Like, okay, we're going to fight this out. Arnold's in a leather jacket and he takes the leather jacket off. I mean, I keep the leather jacket on. I mean, it's a little bit of protection, that's
0: just me. Well, see, to me, it's that classic Hollywood thing where they have to do the big fight down. Yeah, I mean when hes mono a, mano a mano. Yeah, no, I would have just shot his ass right in the kneecaps, both kneecaps, and would have just dragged him back. I'm not gonna fight you. I'm gonna shoot your ass. Yeah. I, th-
1: I And the like I, the 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 plot is full of improbabilities. Right. And it's one. Gotta get paid. If that bothers you, you know, go
0: watch, you know, some chick like. Well, but that's just it. It's the classic Arnold movies. This is what you did. When somebody says, you know, let's, let's get it down to mano a mano. All right. I got, yeah, I got a gun. You got nothing. (laughs) No, I'm just going to shoot you. I'm not trying. I'm, I'm in this fighting thing. I'm just, I've been chasing your ass all day. I'm shooting your ass. Yeah. As opposed to let's say, you know,
1: Harrison Ford or Sean Connery. They know what to do when you got a gun, the other <laughs> guy's just got a knife.
0: <laughs> See, if Harrison Ford was there, it would have been like boom. All right, who's next? There you go. See, that's the pro that's why they didn't get Harrison Ford for this role. Hey. Yeah. He would just shot the guy. Oh gosh. All right. As he should have. As he should have. Absolutely. Oh gosh. All right, folks. That is it with, uh, clips and, uh, our final, final reviews of this, but, or final discussions. We are now going to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review checklist of this great, fantastic film. So number one. <laughs> Did anyone jump out of a window?
1: Uh Mrs. Salazar shot a guy through the window. He he flipped through it.
0: You know, I'm thinking quite a There, were, I saw a lot of people going through windows. But, you know, that's the only one that I can distinctly remember.
1: But it seemed where Arnold grabbed the guy and went down. He went off the roof, right? That right. went off a window, was it?
0: No, they went through a roof.
1: Yeah, and a lot of glass was broken.
0: You know what, Ken? I think that's it. I think that's the only guy that went through a window. The one that uh old Grandma Salazar shot.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. At least on camera. Hmm. There might be some others, but I can't think of it. All right. No. Number two. If you want him, come and claim him. Was there an irrelevant female role in this movie? I'm going to say no,
1: because as we said, number one, the talent is full of And there's a certain level of relevance anytime that happens. But they all had interesting little scenes. It wasn't like, you know, uh, for example, here it was at Christy at the diner. Yes. She's, she, she, I mean, she had several things where, okay, this is important. I mean, moves, moves the story along. Mm Uh, definitely Jamie Alexander as a, you know, Deputy Torrance. She, she threw down the best of them. But she had some good dramatic scenes too. I mean, she, they, they fleshed her out. Uh, Genesis Rodriguez, uh, undeveloped. I mean, they could have done more with her. I think you would agree.
0: I would agree. You know what? And, and real quick to jump back to, um, oh, what's her name that played the deputy, the hot deputy? Uh, Jimmy you, Alexander. Yeah. What the hell was that damn rifle that was? was it a label that she had to like re uh was a one shot gun that was a that was a a modern day rifle it's a hunting rifle of some sort yeah but i'm like you had to rechamber around every shot that seemed i mean i'm just curious because i mean i know my guns i don't know that one that one seemed a little odd
1: and when I, I s- don't know what it was,
0: yeah when I saw- maybe maybe a
1: listener can watch this and then drop a note on our Facebook page and let us know what it was,
0: yeah, because when I saw LaBelle, I just think of that one because every time he fired a round he other jack the round back, pop a new one in boom it was a it was a breech loader, yeah so that's what just made me kind of go, why is she reloading every round well, it was a I, I got the impression from the size of the
1: cartridge. I mean, it's not some run of the mill, like, you know, 3030 or something. It was a, you know, high caliber hunting rifle of some sort.
0: Yeah.
1: Could but it's, you know, it was composite stock and a scope and everything. It, it was, you know, as we mentioned, I mean, this movie has lots of unique weapons. Uh, they didn't go into any great, you know, dialogue about that particular one.
0: Right. Alright, uh, next one. Here I go, on my own. Could the female role be better played by Tawny Katane? Well, I'm, I'm just gonna throw out there right now. Uh, Tawny in her prime could have played any role in this movie. Considering that there were two like really hot cars in this movie, I think this movie was made for her. I'm actually surprised she wasn't in this movie. You are, I, I, everything
1: you said is right on. Yep. Again, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause didn't, didn't we make up a rule recently that the Tawny contained thing was, was always Tawny contained in her prime?
0: Yes. It's always in her yeah. prime. This is always yeah. Tawny contained in her prime. If not that,
1: if Tawny's listening, please don't misunderstand. We're talking about your early film prime, which is the,
0: let's say 1986. It, because if Tawny wants to stop by and discuss it. I was gonna say, if Tawny wants to come by any time and discuss it, she's always in her prime for me. But that's alright. Uh, let's see, the next one. Wow, I am the, uh, the bad luck tonight.
1: You're, you're just
0: crap. I, what the hell? I'm telling you, it's because of that goddamn new construction they're doing over there. Ugh, oh, thank you. Alright, next one. Was there an AT montage in this movie?
1: A classic, definite. Yeah. You know, unambiguous <laughs> AT montage. The the whole prepping for the bad guys to show up in town. In particular, the you know, going to the firearms museum <laughs> and gathering up all the gear they had to you know, chambering the weapons and holding the swords and, you know, making the shields, uh, you know, classic, classic. And then it extended into the whole, what, you know, putting up obstacles and everything else. They did it in a montage format. I thought it was great.
0: Yeah. Uh, folks, for those of you who are kind of new to the show, we do these uh, little uh, checklist things. And this movie is what the 18 montage uh, sound clip was all about. It was made for this movie. So, there you go. Very nice. All right. Last, and certainly not least. And so it begins. Well, Muncie's not here, but was there. And Babylon 5 reference in this movie. I would, I mean,
1: I don't know for sure. I don't think so. I mean, most of the cast is too young for been on Babylon 5. Harry Dean Stanton wasn't on Babylon
0: 5, was he? He was not. However. What? I do have one. Really? Well... We've always said before, I'm just pulling this one out there because, uh actually, I'm doing it because I'm looking at her IMDb photo, and she's hot. Um, Her name is Diana Arlupo, and she was a stunt person. Oh, yeah. She was a stunt person on uh, B5. She played the magnet girl, the, the hot chick in the leather thing that was like spraying bullets on the – on the magna thing pulling up, that was her. Oh. So
1: well man. Just I, I I have to say this that she was again this is twenty four twenty thirteen. She was really rocking the you know the black vinyl catsuit in this movie. And you're saying that twenty years ago in Babylon five, she was
0: that's an established stunt woman. Yeah, 1994. Yeah. Wow. Look she, her up. Dana Arlupo. I mean, she's like in her 40s
1: now, probably.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, like my age. She's, yeah, she looks, wow. She's, yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. taking care of herself. Uh, absolutely.
1: Of course, I was looking hot back it when I was about, you know, 40, but that was <laughs> many years ago. <laughs>
0: So there you go. I pulled out a B-5 reference from this movie. Muncie, if you were here, I bet you wouldn't have got that one. But that's okay, because you weren't here. I had to step up. Suck it, Jeff. Absolutely. I just had to do that for him. All right. So that is it with the Man Cave mover view Checklist and my um, little sidebar for Jeff. It is now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. Ken, you want to take it? I can. You can?
1: Uh, sure. We've talked all about the different things we like and dislike about this movie. You know, the plot is improbable and, you know, kind of, uh, you to suspend disbelief a lot of times but that's what you expect with this kind of a movie. I mean, it's a throwback to the old classic eighties cheese ball Schwarzenegger action flicks. It doesn't have, you know, elaborate gunfights and hot chicks and cool cars and, you know, interspersed with humor and, you know, brutal beat down fight scenes. It's got them all. So it delivered on what I expected. Now, you know, this I saw a trailer for this at the movies, and I thought, you know, I think I'll take a pass. I don't think I really need to see this. But then when it came out on cable, I watched it, and it, you know, it, it, it delivered for what I wanted. Um, In terms of cinematography, nothing special. It's workmanlike. Uh, music, yeah, not memorable. But they put together a decent cast and, uh, you know, decent writing. You know, you know, aside from the improbability, the dialogue is, you know, not bad. So when it comes down to giving it a my numerical rank, I'm gonna give it a six point three. Now six of that is because it's you know, that's my general view of the movie. The point three because this is Arnold's comeback movie. And I think that the world the world needs more Arnold. <laughs> I agree. But not enough to give it a full extra point.
0: Ken, I'm going to go a little bit above you. I'm just going to say maybe a seven. It's a fun movie. There's some good dialogue. There's some of the actors there that I really enjoy. Um, obviously, uh, you know, Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger and Louise Guzman. I really do like these two guys. I mean, they're a lot of fun. Peter uh, Stormare, always a pleasure to watch. He always plays a, a great bad guy. And even when he's a good guy, he's still kind of a bad guy. And he just, does it very very well so I, I'm gonna say a seven like he said I, I think they could have done better but I think it was just one of those they just you can kind of see they just kind of threw this movie together a little bit um, you know not one of Arnold's better ones it definitely is back there uh, with the stuff that he did back in the 80s but yeah um, I still enjoyed it still had a lot of fun with it
1: I mean, I'll throw it out there that, you know, this, something we didn't mention is the the director was uh, Kim ji woon, which is, you know, South Korean, okay. uh, brings a lot of experience with, you know, Korean cinema, but it sort of falls into that genre. They, you know, the, they're, they're not, you know, I, I don't think in a lot of South Korean movies that they're looking particularly for, like totally realistic plot lines. They want it to be a little fantastic. Right. And this movie is certainly, it's got, you know, fantastic, uh, you know, elements to the script. You got,
0: just got to get past it. And just, uh, just, you know,
1: just enjoy.
0: All right, guys, before we sign off, I do want to give out a little bit of commentary to some of our, uh, listeners out there that have been, uh, Following us, uh, some of our new listeners, uh, one person I want to, uh, at least give one shout out to. Shit. No, I can't find it.
1: Maybe you're referring to the, the, the uh, the Roni family. Are they relatives of yours? No, not at all, but the Ronies. Yeah, I was going to say that. We kind of have a couple of Ronies listening. We got to give them a shout out.
0: Oh, yeah. definitely, know. that, they were on the list of people I wanted to give a shout out for, but we had, uh, uh, uh Jeff Roney, he um, uh said uh, that he wanted to uh introduce his uh his wife to the show. He said, Gentlemen, I've convinced my wife to listen to your podcast and she enjoys it. Do I get a prize or something for this? Well you know we have to actually probably make a t shirt for him. Because if if there's any anybody that has convinced his uh significant other to listen to this show, that actually is probably deserving of something. Either a, a t-shirt or a six pack of beer or something. They might be distant relatives. They could be. They could be. And, uh, let's see. We've got, um, here you go. Uh, uh, his, uh, obviously his dear and lovely wife gave us a, uh, a comment and, and it was Colleen Robinson Roney. She said, my husband introduced me to your podcast. Highly entertaining. Keep up the good work. I am not a typical female. So, some of what you said in the shows I've listened to is pretty much what I have thought, although I do think Mark missed the boat on the fifth element. No, you have to think he did he did he completely. mark,
1: mark pretty much thought it sucked
0: yeah I mean, he yeah Mark didn't miss the boat Mark pretty much like stepped off the game plank, went straight down into the harbor, and was eaten by sharks. He didn't miss only a- go to
1: a cannonball as he wanted,
0: yeah he. Pretty much did. So, uh, but no, Miss Rony, you are welcome to hang out in the Man Cave Movie Review podcast as long as you wish. All right. Uh, one other shout out I want to give to is, uh, our other good and dear friend, Eckhard Ken, you want to like pronounce his name because I know you're from that uh, part of the country. I can't
1: pronounce Uh, I, I only do Swedish. I don't do German.
0: Okay. It's Eckhard Barul. Barul. And please send all hate mail to Jeff Muncie he's the one that told me how to pronounce that Eckard I appreciate the kind comments that you said that uh, you appreciate the entertaining podcasts and hope you enjoy those I mean we we're very honored and flattered that uh, you know some of our folks from overseas that actually listen to us and put up with our rantings if you will so hope you enjoyed that one So, let's see. That, I believe, is it with the Man Cave Movie Review, episode 116. Well, we'll be around, I think, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to be around this weekend or the following weekend, because we still got guys out on vacation.
1: It's, for whatever,
0: yeah, this is, the
1: holiday's coming up, and everybody running hither and thither. We'll try to get a show out, but it's just hard coordinating calendars right now because
0: it's just busy. Yeah, this is that time of the year where a lot of folks over here in the U.S. of A celebrate our independence. Don't know when the other guys are going to be back, but the following week we will have some great stuff to put out for you. So until then, I am your host, Steve Michaels, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Ken. I'm getting too old. Run. I don't have a
1: witty comeback.
0: Did I steal your comeback?
1: No, uh, for whatever reason, I was just sitting here and I didn't think of one. It <laughs> didn't click that I needed to have a witty comeback for the close. That's... If I if I had to have a witty comeback, I would say no trespassing.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's just as well. All right, folks, that's it with Man Cave Movie Review episode 116. Uh, Stay tuned. We will have a show coming up really soon. Until next time, ciao.